0: All right, here we go. Great. Hey there, I'm Nick. I'm in my 20s trying to figure out life and what faith has to do with it. I've got a lot of questions, probably very similar to the ones you've got. But here's the thing. I'm looking for a better answer, and it's difficult to find someone who can help. So I'm bringing on Kyle, a mentor of mine, who's going to help me find a better answer.
1: You can find a better answer wherever you listen to podcasts. This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com Hi guys and welcome to another edition of The Custard TV Podcast. I hope you're all well. It is me, Matt, who isn't well today. I am uh, under the spell of Covid for the first time. Uh, Unlike my two uh, co-hosts who have both uh, been through it. Dawn, uh, who was telling me she was quite poorly with Covid.
2: Yeah, just before Christmas. And then I got a chest infection just after Christmas.
1: (laughs) Dawn has rushed back lovingly. We are taping this on uh, Mother's Day in the UK and Dawn has rushed back uh, to record slightly later than we normally would from a lunch with her mother-in-law, is that right?
2: Mother-in-law and mother. Two in one. (laughs) I literally got in the door as the beeps were playing that it it was three o'clock. So I literally
0: just me to buy the skin of my teeth
1: and mo in america mother's day slightly different isn't it is it may
0: yes it's it it is may so i still have time to go get my mother's day card and accessories um for the mothers in my life
1: oh we're here once again to review four shows two non-fiction formats we have got the return of race across the world on bbc one it has been uh, promoted from bbc two rise and fall which is a new reality show i suppose you would call it and that is on channel four uh swarm on amazon prime which is a very sort of dark black comedy maybe and that's co-created by donald glover And then on Apple TV, we have Extrapolations, which is a sort of environmental, political mishmash, I suppose you would call it. But first of all, we'll do our favourite unnamed what are we still watching or what are we watching segments. Mo, as you haven't been on for a while, about a month or so, what is it you've been watching? Let's start with you.
0: Endeavour. I I watched the final series of Endeavour. Okay, Uh, yeah,
1: we haven't talked about that. I have to say I haven't watched it for several series now did it end satisfactor satisfactorily
0: it definitely accomplished what it needed to do it needed to get endeavor transformed into morse and so that accomplished that mission you knew the characters who were going to survive to make the migration to morse I feel like the the third film. Part of me feels it was a little bit slightly rushed. Could have benefited from maybe like an extra ten minutes or so. But overall, I think if you've been a fan of Morse, and, and I have to say, I was a Morse guy in my teens, watching John thaw it, it some strange. Re- I had this fascination on PBS. Movie. Was it? Yes, on PBS. Yes, yeah. I think I think for as a fan, if you if you've come along this journey, it's a very satisfying journey. Uh, it's been a satisfying tenure. The problem is, if you want more in this universe. You know, you don't have anything uh, because there's not really any obvious spinoffs right now. Uh, I mean, and, people
1: were saying possibly like a young Fred Thursday. I think that's what people are. Uh,
0: that's an option. Unfortunately, going the other way, Lewis ended the way Lewis ended. Originally, there was supposed to be a Lewis spinoff. And years ago, back in the 90s, they more or less killed off any direct Morse spinoff, because there was an episode about Morse's niece dying, and potentially that character, could have she could have been like a, a copper and, and, and followed in her uncle's footsteps. I'm sure the, the franchise is not going to languish too long. Somebody's going to figure out something. More than likely, it'll probably be a Fred Thirsty uh, prequel. The last time I was on, uh, we discussed Beyond Paradise. I've been continuing to watch that, and Star Trek Picard. I mean, that final season is, is really, really good, and it's great to see a lot of those next-gen characters back and dealing with not just next-gen concepts and storylines, but they're pulling in Voyager, they're pulling in DS9. If you're a fan of those Star Trek shows from the 90s, you know, you need to be watching Picard. Dawn, have you got anything to add?
2: I have continued watching uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. I've been doing colouring in while I've been watching it. But um, it's really... Strange because I am engrossed in it and I want to watch it, but it also makes me really, really angry. <laughs> it's like I really hate Daisy, I think she's an awful, awful human being. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is that's keeping me going, but something is. Because it was based on a book, I had a, a read of the summary, and some of the things have changed. I, I don't understand. The last episode that they um, dropped on Amazon, she overdoses and uh, her, she's married, she's married an Irish nobleman who's very rich. I, I, is It's racist to say, I didn't know there was Irish Aris, aristocracy. But anyway, uh, he's an Irish prince, <laughs> apparently. When she overdoses, he scarred her because he can't handle it. Whereas in the book, she comes around and realises he's not going to look after her, and she leaves him. So it's taken away some of her agency, so I'm not quite mm.
1: sure. I have got the book. I will have to read it at some point after what I'm reading at the moment, I think I will prioritise that. It does seem odd, the way they've structured it, as this sort of behind-the-music type.
2: In the book, from what I've read, an author is doing a book, so it's done as them interviewing them. So I guess they sort of thought, oh, well, we'll transpose it to TV. The Last of Us, of course, finished this week, Mm. which uh, kept up its standard to the end, and not controversial with everybody, but quite a controversial ending where... Joel goes mad and kills a lot of people, and whether he was right to or not, and mm. he did it for selfish reasons. So, and
1: I, I have spoken to Luke uh, briefly just before um, we started recording today, and apart from Happy Valley, that's his only other show uh, that he's enjoyed this year. So, um, Unforgotten, did you watch episode three, Dawn?
2: I did. Yes, yeah. I, do. I did.
1: What I am really enjoying, and I did mention this last week, was how that sort of theme where we started in episode one about the lack of funding for social care and the police in particular and that comes in again obviously we know that Sonny is going to interview Carol the social worker who's now living in France uh, with his partner and there's a custody battle going on there and where he sort of plays into the murder of Precious uh, the girl that was found in the chimney. I like the way that they've I think she was in Emmerdale, that actress, wasn't she, who was playing the other social worker who was helping. And having worked in that area and now working for the police, there is a great deal of authenticity there on both of those sides. And all the stuff that's going on with Sonny and his partner and, you know, the grief he's still going through and his, you know, lack of respect for Janae Keenan's character and calling her a fast-track sort of uni graduate. (laughs) I, d- I just think there's a lot going on there, and it's it's just you know really intricate, and it's so well written. Mo, unforgotten fan at all, or
0: oh, I'm watching it every week.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> so what are you thinking of this series then, Mo?
0: I did think it was a bit slower, a slower start to the series. You know, because we traditionally find out the relationships between the characters and the victim at the end of the first episode, but once. You get into that second episode, you know, things kind of kick off. And part of me wonders if part of the reason why all the episodes are put up on ITVX is because people who traditionally watch Unforgotten and then expect to to see those connections form at the end of the first episode, you have to get to the second episode to get that. So I'm just waiting for uh, Sonny's domestic life just to to totally blow up. And I have a feeling that he's going to split up uh, with Sal, his current partner, and I, I believe it, the doctor. And I mm. I think the two of them, there was that moment when they touched each other's hands very yeah. gently. And I think there's something there that's been simmering. In Jess's character, I, I really think that the buildup between her issues with her husband that's spilling over into work and Sonny's issues with her, I expect that they don't clash by the time you get to episode four. You're definitely gonna get it by the time uh, episode five rolls around.
1: Without spoiling anything <laughs> though, the last quarter of episode four, I think will answer some of those questions that you've got, but not in the way that you think it will. And and there's a great section as well where they go over Jay's history and how they do that in a in a sort of a compact way. So that's for both of you to look forward to and people listening to this if they watched it on Monday night will have already seen that so and for me apart from Unforgotten I have been thanks to someone I know been sucked into this year's Apprentice and we had the uh, the interview stages this week where basically the the five candidates who were all female basically got uh, eviscerated by by the interviewers as is often the case although for me I haven't watched it in several years and I think that the candidates have got gradually like worse and actually the businesses don't make sense at all like one of the ladies who was being interviewed by uh, Karen or as she wanted to be referred to on Thursday night Baroness Brady to you as she said to one of them even though for weeks they've been referring to her as Karen in the boardroom She basically said to her, you know, you've been a strong candidate. What happened? And she said, well, I didn't think I'd get this far. And I'm thinking, well, surely you're all aiming to get to the final, which suggests to me that a lot of people are appearing on the show now to be on TV, to then be on other things. It's more about exposure now than it is about wanting that investment. There's one girl on there who didn't get through, who uh, had like an online pick and mix business, uh, but was also cabin crew. And when she was fired, basically Lord Sugar just told her to keep it as a hobby.
2: <laughs> well, that's never good.
1: But it just felt to me like most of these people weren't here for the investment. But it just seems like now it, it it's not what it was. And, and it's become much more people wanting them sort of 15 minutes of fame or whatever. It's still entertaining if you want to see people torn down a peg or two. <laughs> Quickly plugs Mo anything new on Geek Confidential at the moment.
0: We've recorded a couple episodes. Uh, one about Star Trek Picard, and there's another one that uh, one of my other Geek uh, Confidential colleagues recorded about the Ant Man and the Wasp conomania film. They should be coming out soon. And
1: where can we find that, Mo?
0: Apple, all your other pod c- catchers. <laughs> you uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook as well, and you, okay. you, you can find me at Doctor Mo seventy seven
1: and dawn i'm guessing no no shipyard at the moment but if you want to just where where can we find the shipyard if we want to pull through the archives
2: find us at the shipyard ust on youtube all the podcast platforms and on instagram and twitter
1: any episodes you want to point people towards at the moment is there anything
2: tell you we were we actually did record something last night uh, spontaneously so it's just a question of whether we edit it but we were just talking about all the sort of current shows that are being cancelled or renewed things like uh willow <laughs> and, mm. and uh, a league, league of, of their room.
1: own yeah i was yeah. thinking about you this week dawn with all those shows like you you <laughs> loved at least league of their own yes. is getting the final four yes. episodes to wrap yeah.
2: it up We were talking about that. We were saying, you know, shows it should be in the contract that shows are given at least an episode or, you know, a feature-length episode or something. And, And Will Graham, the showrunner from League of Their Own, says there is a possibility they might get more than that. And I read, actually, about Willow as well. They said they still plan to make the second chapter, they just don't have a time frame for it. So, you know, it's not as bad as it seemed at first.
1: The Custard TV podcast, you can find us at Custard TV Pod. Uh, The website at the moment, if you have not yet read Luke's very popular article on Early Doors, the uh, mid 2000 sitcom from Craig Cash and Phil Mealy, that is up there now. Nick has written a piece on The Good Wife, give that your attention. And Dawn Glenn has written several articles. Uh, on Abbott Elementary and Ted Lasso, which are both up there now as well. The podcast is on all your podcast apps of choice. A lot of episodes up there, dating back all the way from 2011. Please follow at Matt's TV Bytes at Luke Custard TV. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. That's It's The Custard TV. If you would like to get involved with either the website or the podcast, you can contact us at any of those places or via email, Custard TV Reviews at gmail.com, and please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. This could be a podcast. Don't
0: you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one.
1: This is the Custard TV Podcast.
0: Yes, that would entertain me briefly.
1: From thecustardtv.com. Let's get uh, started on this week's reviews, and first up we have the uh, new and third series of Race Across the World. Has either of you watched any of the previous series of this? Dawn, had you?
2: No, I have not, but I watched the American show The Amazing Race, which was very Mm. similar.
1: That that was a bit more sort of hectic and early days of reality TV, wasn't it? Mo?
0: I hadn't heard of it until Mm. you shared that that we would be covering this.
1: I I was having a conversation early with Luke because he loves this show. He's watched both series. The previous two series have been on BBC Two, I believe, Sunday nights. This one has been promoted to Wednesday nights on BBC One. I was saying to Luke, you know, not a lot of people know about this series. And he was saying, well, in his circles, you know, everyone talks about it. And I think I've proved my point. So there you go. One point to me. (laughs) The first series, it was an actual race across the world. Started in London, ended in Singapore. Uh, the second series uh, they were going through uh, central america here we have another uh, five pairs this time racing across canada the five couples we have got we have got best friends kathy and trisha uh, they have known each other i worked out as about sort of 35 years since they were 13. brothers mark and michael who are slightly estranged they Don't really know a lot about each other. That's what they were saying early on. Two sets of uh, fathers and daughters. Uh, We've got Kevin and Claudia. Again, their relationship seems a bit fractured. I know Claudia had said that her parents separated and didn't have a lot to do with dad growing up. So this is their chance to sort of reconnect. Uh, Laddie and Monique. Laddie is sort of very spiritual in a way, or he's trying to sort of show his daughter how to be kinder. And, you know, they, they talk about sort of paying it forward. And husband and wife, Mobine and Zainab. And obviously Dawn is backing them because they're from Scotland. The basic uh, premise is that they have only got the budget for what it would cost to do the flight from one end of Canada to the other. They are...
0: not
1: allowed to use smartphones, uh, the internet, anything like that, credit cards. All they've got is the budget. They have got maps and I believe compasses or GPS devices, that's it, isn't it? And so that a lot of it is relying on the kindness of strangers. And in this first episode, they start in a park in Vancouver and they have to end up It was an island, what was the name of it, someone remind me?
2: Tleil or something. Tleil, yeah.
1: Tleil. So that was it, and and there was two different routes that they could take. The various public transport routes, it was very uh, intermittent, like the ferries and the buses um, from certain parts. They had the option to work to earn more money, so I will go uh, first to uh, Mo on this one first. What were your thoughts on this? Did you enjoy it?
0: Yeah, actually, I really, really enjoyed this. I like, I love the pacing. I think there was just enough time over the course of the hour that we got to know all five of the pairs. We were clearly able to see maybe some potential conflicts could come later on or some challenges and struggles for each of the pairs. Uh, for instance, I love the fact that Trisha and Kathy, she was very open about some health issues that she's, she's struggling with, but I love the description, like, when they're they're working to raise some additional funds. You know, she has these uh, hands like shovels and she got them from her mother and those two, there's like a sitcom with those two, a, middle, a middle-aged middle sitcom a, a, a sitcom about a pair of middle-aged women who are long-term friends, having some health issues, is, is these changes in life. Really, really I, beautiful story. I would
1: say, Mo, that they did the most British thing early on because they um, started in this park. They were <laughs> like, let's try and find the tea room, <laughs> yeah. which is the most British thing to do. And then they ended up stranded in this park for three hours.
0: Monique and like yeah, like you said, there's this sort of spiritualness, those life lessons that he's trying to impart on his daughter. As it's they a make
1: generational away. gap, isn't it? Like she's very much almost like the TikTok generation. He's very sort of came across as very benevolent to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody he met, he thanked them. For him, it's like about paying it forward, and so whatever kindness that he receives, he wants to put that back out in the world. Again, which is an interesting contrast to Kevin and Claudia. And you know, when you talked about their limited budget
1: We'll just say that they spent quite a lot of their budget in this first yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I felt like every time Kevin got a coffee or a beer <laughs> yes. like it was like, Oh Kevin, there's another like pound gone, another dollar gone off the budget.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so so it's an interesting contrast between the Claudia Kevin and Monique and Lyle. La- in terms of their relationship as father and daughter because you can see the natural closeness between Monique and Laddie where it's there is a bit of bridge building that needs to occur between Kevin and Claudia. It, that's an interesting story to, to keep watching. and And then the brothers, Mark and Michael, you know, I really, you know, in terms of their relationship, I would lump them very much in that Claudia-Kevin kind of situation. You know, they need to figure things out about each other. I was thinking, like, were they raised in separate households because of the way they 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 acted they did, how how little that they knew about each other there was definitely some bonding going on i think
1: it's just the yeah. thing you know when you get into your mid and late 30s unless you'll sort of maybe like live close to each other or make that time you can easily drift apart from your sibling and i think that's that's sort of what they were telling unless you know you've got a, a bond of some description you can just sort of drift away can't you They do a good job, I think, of like moving along where they are in terms of where they've got to get to uh, of this first checkpoint, what each one of them are doing, where they are on the map, how much of the budget they've spent every time they hand over some some dollars. Dawn, I'll just go to you. I mean, as I said, I humorously said that you would be rooting for the Scottish couple, but I think Cathy and Tricia possibly more up your street.
2: Yeah, frighteningly. Cathy and Trisha, obviously I am in real life very short and wear glasses. And I have a friend that I met online who is this spitting image of Trisha, assuming that's the way around they are. And even has the same demeanour, she's very jolly hockey sticks guy. So I literally look at them and just see me and my friend. And, and
1: And not to besmirch you, but similar age as well, I think.
2: Yeah, about the same age. So yeah. when they first appeared, I did. I, I was drawn to uh, Zainab and Mobin. But then I was like, oh, no, I don't like Zainab. She's a bit of a, a hard nut.
1: We didn't see a lot of them, did we? I think of the five, they were probably the, the least yeah. we saw in the first.
2: Because they took a break to go skiing. So they were having a nice time while everybody else is flagging down cars and asking people, are you going north? Which happened a lot in this episode. But I think it's very well cast. Because they've got these teams of two where there is obviously a conflict in how they go about doing everything, but not enough that you would just hate watching it because they do nothing but fight, but enough to keep it interesting that they're going to approach things. And and I thought especially the the brothers, Mark and Michael, Mark he's very shy, has no confidence in himself, which is what he said about, you know, moving back with his parents. And Obviously, we don't know why, but presumably something happened, a breakup of a relationship or something like that. So I'll be interested to see his growth, if this helps him, which obviously is why he's doing it. It's something you don't often see because when you when you look at Mark, he looks like a very sort of blokey bloke, and his hobby is you know playing video games. But he's actually somebody who's obviously going through something, and he's decided that going on this show is go, how how he's going to tackle it. So I was interested in that, and obviously the the two sets of uh, daughters and father. are just I I mean I'm assuming it's my age, or maybe it's not, but I'm all I'm usually on the father's side. But not when Ke- we're not with Kevin, I was just like, Oh man, all- there's always one in one of these shows where you're just like, Oh, you just need to. But he was telling his grown up daughter to stop smirking, and she wasn't smirking because they were just having a very uncomfortable fight in public. And I- I'm assuming this was in spring, so the weather was pretty rubbish, uh, uh, bad enough that two of them could go skiing. It'd be interesting how they cope with that long term.
1: And it looks like from the, from the next episode that they will be going into sort of the stark, no humanity at all. So less, less opportunities to to get those yeah. lifts to get that work
0: i am curious uh matt did the press packs or anything uh share any information about how they're filming the footage because it looks gorgeous um yeah, i, you
1: know, I i'm looking at the moment but all they've got on the press pack is interviews with each couple giving a synopsis of the show you know relying on count, kindness of strangers and and the facts so to answer your question Mo, no
0: <laughs> it's okay it's
1: okay <laughs> i'm guessing from what you're saying both of you would be intrigued to to continue watching this is not available to binge on iplayer this is this is going to be uh, a week by week
2: yeah i think i would watch it weekly i hmm. i do think my mom watched the first either first or second season maybe both i don't know you know it's something i can talk to her but if i can find Luke Luke's circle of friends to discuss it online <laughs> i do enjoy that aspect of reality show i joined I, twitter to talk about big Brother. so
1: i think you know it, it being on bbc one at nine o'clock i think people will be watching this series i think it being tucked away on bbc two on like a sun- saturday or a sunday night mm-hmm. it's not going to get those viewers are they having that 9 p.m bbc Slot, Even though people don't watch linear TV anymore, as far as we're told, you know, the Twitter Watch Along Live will be more in in tune with when it's on now.
2: Yeah, hopefully. Uh, obviously, they want to build on what they did with the traitors and, and try and get that, that same kind of buzz. I don't think it will happen because it doesn't have the same intrigue. But I think there will be an audience for it, definitely, for that, you know, tweeting along and giving their opinions. So, yeah, I'll definitely carry on watching this. I I really enjoyed it. It was an interesting format.
1: And actually part travel show as well, because, oh, look at how how gorgeous Canada is. (laughs) As you were saying, Mo, about the way it's filmed. and Same question to you then, Mo.
0: Yeah, I I definitely would like to continue. I really did enjoy it. I wasn't. I didn't know what to expect, but I really was enjoying this episode. This episode.
1: I, I'm certainly more intrigued this time than I was the last time. I think the couples that they've chosen, I think, are a likable bunch. Or, you know, they are, you know, as, as Dawn said, you can judge them quite easily. <laughs> I've sort of almost sort of picked my favourites in a way very much. Team Kathy and Tricia, but also um, a big fan of Laddie, as Mo said. You know, I just like his sort of outlook on life and and sort of the lessons he's trying to impart on his daughter. So, as I said, 9pm weekly, Wednesday nights on BBC One. Dawn talked of the traitors just. Thank you for the link there, Dawn. Rise and Fall (laughs) is the new um, show. They're said from the makers of the traitors, which is a nice, almost rhyming thing. Studio Lambert is the studio who also produced Gogglebox, Naked Attraction, The Circle, and Race Across the World. So, <laughs> uh, 50% studio land, but this week. Rise and Fall, uh, hosted by Greg James. It is a reality show. I believe it was 16 contestants. They are competing to win up to £100,000. Uh, it is all set in, would you say, a tower block or a high rise? How would you describe it? Yeah, tower block. Tower block? Yeah. yeah. The start of it is all the 16 people meet. Greg James arrives and tells them that they are going to be split into two groups. There are going to be uh, six people in a position of power. These are called the rulers. They will live in a luxury penthouse, will be sleeping in very comfortable beds, will be eating lovely food and will be controlling everything the other 10 do. They are referred to as the grafters. They have the shower in cold water, living on broth, and they have to compete all the tasks. Very similar to uh, the traitors in that uh, a lot of each episode based around tasks where they win part of the money which will form the prize pot. At the end of episode one, the rulers had to decide which of the six of their number would no longer be a ruler and would leave the house completely. Uh, It ended like the Tracers did on a cliffhanger. We then saw in episode two that one of the grafters would uh, be voted to become one of the rulers. Uh, We also, in this, Greg James was assisted by a talking lift who sort of instructed all the uh, contestants to gather around TVs? The red room, which was very similar to the room in which the uh, the team sat in the traitors, there was also uh, slowed down versions of popular pop songs, like in the traitors. And this is again going to be over consecutive nights. I believe there are eighteen episodes in whole. Uh, over four weeks. Uh, this week, there's going to be six episodes every night from Sunday to Friday. We know that uh, Dawn was a big fan of the UK traitors, and Mo accidentally became a fan of the US traitors because he sat in front of Peacock and couldn't be bothered to change the channel. Dawn, I think it's hard to not compare it to the traitors as I have yes. done several times there. You know, is this going to hold your attention? What did you think to Rise and Fall?
2: What I find most difficult about Rise and Fall is its messaging. I didn't know what it's trying to say. With the traitors, I don't think there's a message. It's it's a, just a, a game of murder, really, isn't it? You know, But Rise and Fall seems to be trying to say something about capitalism, but I don't know what. I don't know if they're trying to say capitalism is good or capitalism is bad. And just the way they raise the the prize front is to work as a team that's the same as you know traitors and most other things but then you have the leaders who are pushing the grafters to a certain point and they have to decide what point the, the, they'll be pushed to and, and to to earn the money and some of the leaders are saying we should be compassionate leaders and and lead them only you know do what we're prepared to do and Then there's a you know other leaders who are saying no. We need to push them because that's what a leader does. You push them to be their best.
1: I mean, you say other leaders. The the Ramona, who's a woman (laughs) who's breasts follow her into the room. You know, breasts enter room. Three minutes later, the rest of her follows.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They were the starring role of that round table for. Woman
1: loves a push up bra. Come on, Mo. Mo, come on.
2: Yes, Ramona. She was the uh, she
1: was the most prominent figure here, was it was she not?
2: She was. I, I thought what was good at the start, I thought oh, they're gonna have a real mixture of people, which was one of the things that made uh the traitors so good was the diverse uh, casting, but then as I started writing down the ages and I was going twenty seven, twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven. You know, I thought, oh well, yeah, they're going for quite and a few. Sixty
1: nine, good old Jeff.
2: <laughs> what was Jeff in? Was it called four, the Room?
1: Four or? rooms. It was yeah. a antique show uh, on Channel Four. He has his own Wikipedia page. Jeff does, and I don't wow. think you're allowed to be on a reality show if you've got your own Wikipedia page. I mean, he <laughs> is a art collector. Has several businesses started working in Sotheby's in the 70s so you know he is the token oldie I suppose you had Andrea didn't you on the traitors so you did have the token oldie but you know it's 20s and 30s mainly you've got an 18 year old you've got a couple sort of 40s and 50s haven't you and then
2: Sophie is um also a bit famous I just read that she's a uh... GB News talking here. Is she
1: the young tour? Because I read about her. I was like, oh, I want to know more about her. And, I, you know, there's the press pack where there's a little sort of excerpt about who each one is. And they ask Mm -hmm. them, you know, who makes a good leader. And some of them say their mums. Some of them say, like, you know, sports like a Lionel Messi or a Ben Stokes. And her answer, of course, is...
0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Margaret Thatcher, because she is oh, yeah. a member of the Young Conservatives.
2: The task for me is a bit weird. I thought when they said, "Oh, t- the first task you're going to do is be electricians, I was actually hopeful that they were going to be electricians. They were going to do a proper electrician job. Not like <laughs> Out in the world but you know they would teach them something to hmm. see how hard it is to be an electrician or how hard it is to be a plumber or you know how skilled these people are they were getting electrocuted
1: <laughs> it, like and and you mentioned there dawn and i didn't do a very good job in terms of the tasks so the the rulers are making the decision how long each of the grafters spend uh doing the tasks and the money goes up every time it, i believe it doubled so the first shift was for £1,000 and they had to do it for a minute and then it went up to, it doubled, so it was £3,000. They had to do it for two minutes and then I think it went up to 6000 and they had to do it for three. They then got to reward them. I think they had a dinner, which was like a £1, £100 per head. And it, it sort of went from there, you know, they are the bosses and these are the plebs. I personally preferred the task here. The tasks in the traitors went on too long personally for me and it was like I was watching a work with bounds trip <laughs> whereas here it was very short, wasn't very complicated and I think it helps that it's all in the same place as well it's obviously a lot cheaper to produce than the traitors where they're in this manner and they're having to put them up in a hotel as well where here they're staying in one place sleeping there half of them are on like hard beds and just feeding them gruel so you know that's fine the thing here is though is there isn't that element that the audience has won up on the contestants and there's that paranoia i suppose it's like the power game here and the people downstairs who a lot of them feel that they should be upstairs early on when they're choosing initially greg james says you decide who does it. Half of them, it is a vote. I mean, my favourite character, who is my namesake, Matt, the nurse, who I think will be, certainly from this first episode, I don't know how it will change episode by episode, but he is, for me, the most likeable of the rulers, at least. He's a nurse. He's, ve- he's very empathetic. Ramona is voted in as because she is a CEO and who is the third? It's the the young girl, isn't it, as well?
0: Uh, Rashika.
1: Rashika, that's it. Thank you, Mo. But then the other three, Cheryl, Prince and Rachel, just run into the lift. So, you know, there is that tension there early on. You know, it's, it's sort of a, a game of human nature, but I don't know if it all have that longevity that, that the traitors had because of the element, I suppose, of treachery. Mo, what about you?
0: I do agree with don i was really baffled trying to figure out what is it saying about late stage capitalism part of me i think the
1: answer is nothing <laughs> <laughs> well
0: yeah, yeah for the first portion first half of this i was just struggling to connect because i didn't feel it didn't have that much of an urgency it definitely picked up in the second half once you got to um the challenge you know the work that they had to do as an electrician, and and like Don, I was thinking that they were going to be real electricians. I was one shocked and slightly mo mo mo. Yeah, you? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was sitting here watching them be electrocuted. You know, it's in some ways, you know, I am emulating the rulers. You know, just sitting here watching these the grafters literally keeling over in some cases i was i'm just trying to say am i like cruel is there something wrong with me you know because i did find some slight amusement it's it's like
1: the old school big brother task though and this is what i keep going back to with both of these shows the traitors and rise and fall there are elements there of the old-fashioned sort of big brother in i suppose with the traitors it's more that you never know who's sort of stabbing you in the back you never know who's voted for you (laughs) in big brother here it's more like the tasks and that tension, you know, Big Brother, one of their favourite things was to split the house into the rich and poor, the heaven and hell, the have and have nots, what have you, which causes that tension because naturally there's that unfairness there. That I remember specifically there was the Big Brother task where there were people doing the, you know, the thing where you push the, I don't know what you would call it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there
1: was like two or three people doing that and everyone else was in the suits and would get buzzed every time that they... So it, it did remind me of that. I think it's very clever, though, that BBC and, and Channel 4 have both got their reality TV show formats out before ITV redo Big Brother later this year. Mm. Because Big Brother presumably will be nine or ten weeks, maybe over the summer, who knows, but... How did you find Rise and Fall just generally? Were you captivated, Mo?
0: I was at Progress. I think once we got into the Red Room, that's for me is when I was most captivated. The clashes with Ramona and Rachel with the rulers, I think because there's so few of them, we got to know their personalities a bit better as opposed to the grafters in terms of a grafter departing. Hmm. is the only way that a grafter can be removed is if they leave?
1: I don't know, because they haven't explained all the rules yet. The only rule that they've explained so far is that one of the rulers is going to leave the game at this point, and presumably one of the grafters is going to go up the lift. From what you were saying, obviously we get more of the rulers and their personalities because A, there's less of them, and B, there's more of that, fracturing because they're trying to keep their positions whereas i think when you're working hard there's more of that camaraderie and they're more of the one group aren't they and i think maybe that was part of it
0: well there was definitely some camaraderie between jack and sydney i mean like they were cuddling
1: up <laughs> well he's like the joey essex type isn't he he's like, <laughs> uh, is this going to be another one where if it was on the tv and if you you couldn't move you would just watch another episode
0: <laughs> Yes, because I for one, I definitely want to know which ruler leaves, Mm. whether or not I would keep going after that. It just depends on my mood and whether or not. Now, if I'm tied to the chair and I can't move, then, yeah, obviously I'm going to keep
1: you'd also want to know which of the grafters then moves up.
0: Would yeah, you? I'm I'm very curious about that, because I don't feel like we've got enough information about their personalities for the rulers to choose one of the grafters unless they're, like, literally... Like well, I,
1: the impression I got was that the grafters were choosing which one of their number. It's only the grafters who are choosing which of the grafters becomes the ruler.
0: Oh, OK, then I missed that.
1: And, and I think it'll probably be Jeff.
0: Yes, I was going
2: to say that. I thought it was funny that when Ali Lee left, He was saying, oh, I love you guys. And they were all like, yeah, I love you, brother. You've known them, what, 12 hours or something?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But again, it's that, I suppose, that confinedness, isn't it? And they always say that on I'm a Celeb, don't they? That it feels so much longer when you're in that environment and you're shut off from everyone else. Dawn, did this grip you?
2: Not as much as the traitors. But then it did take me a couple of episodes to get into the traitors. So I, I I won't say no completely. I think... It feels more, not aggressive, but, you know, I suppose because it's face-to-face. I liked the stuff behind, the, you know, stabbing somebody in the back better than uh, the face-to-face stuff.
1: Does that just say more about your personality
2: It on. does, really, it does. I'm not confrontational, I'll just talk about you behind your back. I'll watch the second episode, definitely see who got voted off and see if I, any of the personalities catch me.
1: I think it's very clever that they're doing, you know, it's, it's going to be every night. For yeah. six nights and then four a week for the next three weeks. So I think I was more gripped than the traitors. That might just be I I didn't want to move because of the COVID. <laughs> um, I, I, but um, the task was a lot less. I think there was just more going on and and that conflict, as you said, was more throughout the the episode. Whereas in the traitors, it was confined to the the room as was. Whether it will maintain my attention that long depends, as you say, who gets voted out. By the time the, this podcast comes out, I think there'll be about four episodes. I think Rachel's going to go. I don't think they'll get rid of Ramona after episode one. She's too big a character. Before we move on, one more thing I wanted to ask both of you. What did you think of Greg James as a host?
2: They don't really need him, do they? The lift. Got The lift. <laughs>
1: You're right. He didn't make much of an impression, but did he need to? I suppose is the question. What about you, Mo? He he
0: was competent. He moved things along, but clearly the lift was the star of <laughs> the show. Um,
1: I agree with you. You know, obviously 2023, the year of the uh, lift-based show, because we've already had Next Level Chef as well with Gordon Ramsay. That is, as I said, nightly on Channel Four. We are now heading to the fictional part of today's podcast we are going to swarm on um, prime video i don't know if you would describe it as a horror i'm not quite sure how you would describe it uh, but we're gonna let mo have a go i would describe
0: uh swarm as psychological horror it is created by donald glover from atlanta and janine neighbors who also worked with glover on atlanta she she uh, was an ep executive producer on HBO's Watchmen, and stars uh, Dominic Fishback is Dre. Dre is 20-something. She lives in uh, Houston, Texas, and her life is all things about this R&B hip-hop star named uh, Nyjah. She is so obsessed with Following niger to you know trying to emulate Nigel as much as possible, and even in terms of vernacular and so forth, that she's willing to not pay her rent in order to purchase these concert tickets as a birthday gift for her roommate slash sister. Though I, I do question if they're connected biologically so as sisters.
1: I had the same question as you, Mo. Um, but the uh, Wikipedia says that they're foster sisters.
0: Okay, so Dre and her sister Marissa, her foster sister Marissa, they are living together, and Marissa's boyfriend, Khalid, is constantly coming over. There's this really voyeuristic scene early on in which Dre is watching Marissa have sex with Khalid, and you kind of see her sort of check out, and I'm wondering if that's kind of setting up things Further down the line, we kind of get hints at that in this this first episode. Dre is constantly being taken advantage of. The checkout clerk at this local convenience store who is hounding her for money that Marissa supposedly owes her, or whether it's Khalid, who then takes the food that Dre brings back to the apartment and just eats it for himself. Dre's life is not just t- tied up into Nyjah, uh, but also Marissa. She truly d- is the codependent on Marissa. Now, Marissa is played by Chloe Bailey. She really sells this relationship that she's trying to build with Khalid. She, it's clear that she's very frustrated. It's this interesting sibling dynamic where she feels like she has to treat Dre childlike. And it sort of reaches this boiling point when it impacts Marissa's life later on in the episode where she has to b- feel like she has to really cut Dre off Dre is trying to convince Marissa that Khalid is not good for her because he's constantly hitting on Dre things kind of reach this crescendo when Marissa is like texting Dre frantically things have just exploded with Khalid Khalid's like cheating on me with this other woman Marissa get- ends up getting high and overdosing and in the midst of this You see this really interesting transformation with Dre, where she really, at that point, becomes her version of Nija, And she goes out on a night on the town and hooks up with this guy, and then she has two separate personalities, and Mm. she shifts back and forth. Unfortunately, Marissa dies from the overdose. There's a funeral in which Dre is not allowed to attend, and then Dre decides after the funeral to go see Khalid. Things... Take a very nasty sort of turn for Khalid at the end. Mm. and I'll just say he ends up with an, a pretty nasty head wound. I don't think he's gonna recover. <laughs> you know, I'll just leave it so there.
1: Mo from what you were saying though, you didn't watch on past the first episode. Dawn first did first we episode. do a Dawn? I did. <laughs> yeah. I watched... And I I did as well. I, I watched <laughs> I watched the second one. How many did Dawn do?
2: Three or four, I can't remember now. Okay.
1: And I think it helps um that the half hours Episode two goes in a very sort of different direction. She sort of goes from state to state. Is that correct? Like different, doing different things in each state. I think the USPs of this is the aesthetic. I think that what um, Donald Glover and his co-creator is going for are almost like the old sort of 70s horror films. It's filmed in almost like a... I don't know how like almost like a smoky filter on the camera would you say it's almost they're trying to make it look old-fashioned when the word swarm comes up it's like in those sort of yellow lettering it's it's sort of what Tarantino often does with his title sequences as well that's what I would equate it to the buzzing of the bees you hear that's such an off-putting noise isn't it the buzzing and how it puts you on edge obviously the Fans of this singer who is basically meant to be Beyonce, isn't it? I think when I got to the second episode, I got the humor out of it a little bit more. I don't know, Mo, did you find much humor in episode one?
0: I came from this as someone who's watched Atlanta. You can see the dark humor, the undercutting humor that you would get in Atlanta in this. So so I definitely saw a bit of ironic humor, but not a feel-good laugh.
1: I didn't realise the girl that makes friends with her briefly in episode two was Paris Jackson. The line where she says her dad was half black didn't really hit until I realised it was Paris <laughs> Jackson. Um, that that character's fate made me giggle, even though I sort of knew where it was coming from and what Dre does at the end of episode two as well, how she leaves things with her gaggle of stripper friends that she makes, let's say. I found the, the humour in that, more overt i think i don't know if you've read on the, the writer of one of the episodes malia obama has co-written
0: one of the episodes of this yes i i do remember her being part of the writing room for this yeah
1: which seems very odd for malia obama to be part of the, you know if you were going to pick what her first show would be maybe not swarm but then you see what like Barack obama's list of his favorite things at the end of each year you know he does have quite a diverse taste. I will defer to Dawn, but I think I got into this more in the second episode. I like the style. I mean, I love Dominic Fishbank in Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, which we talked about last year. I thought her performance in that was brilliant. Completely different performance here. I think the one thing, and actually, Mo, you've explained it there, the, the differences in personalities, perhaps. I don't see how her being a fan of this, singer impacts her decisions along the way and Dawn maybe you'll be able to explain it more as you've gone on a little bit more.
2: The show reminds me a lot of Copenhagen Cowboy that we reviewed mm. but what childlike girl who um, doesn't fit in and then goes on a revenge kick and goes on a cross-country journey killing people. So I, f- I felt it was like that, but something I could much more connect to. And I, I agree with with Mo about the two personalities. I think it's really shown in the second episode where she's a stripper, when she's just herself. She's a terrible stripper. She has no moves and she's just sort of walking about and kind of kicking her legs up in the air, you know, swing at the pole, um, and she's awful. But then once she's committed murders and somehow that makes her feel more like Nyjah. She becomes a brilliant stripper, and she's really good, and she's making lots of money. Each murder she does, she's feeling more like she's becoming her idol, and who she wants to be. Dominic Fishback is so good at that. She plays both sides brilliantly. The way she runs into the mall when she's late, and it's so awkward, so ungainly. You feel who this character is completely, and how off kilter and quirky, and just not, as you say, not developed emotionally or, or uh, intellectually, really, uh, that she is. I've been involved in online fandoms for 25, over 25 years, and I know how crazy people are. People can really take things far. And I think this show is really showing the way Adree is online, the way she has uh, an alternative personality online she doesn't use a real name and she has all these followers and she has all this backup for everything she wants to do in fact it is a follower who finds her the address of somebody that she wants to kill because they're all doing it in the name of Naja. so I think the online side of it is done really really well and is horrifically realistic for what people will do when they're a fan of somebody and how far they'll take it and how far how much somebody like that means to them I saw this week um, Lizzo was was performing in Britain and there was a girl who had memorised every piece of choreography uh, for one song and wanted to perform it and she did. Lizzo picked her out of the audience and she performed it and then Lizzo posted about it saying I did that for Beyonce's show and so to know I mean that much to somebody and there's all these signs saying you know you saved my life and that's exactly what you see in in this with Nyjah. I'm not sure entirely what it's saying about um, being a fan of someone, that it is an escape, but obviously it can become really toxic too. I'm I'm not sure it's my cup of tea in terms of, because it is very dark, but it's one of those shows where I would happily say to people, it's really good if you like this kind of thing, if you like the kind of humour that uh, Mm. Atlanta, Atlanta and that kind of show.
1: But I found it a lot more palatable than the consultant, for example. I didn't, I think maybe it's the central performance, her comic timing as well, you know, in these horrific, fatal moments. Absolutely brilliant. And in that scene in the bedroom of that house where she goes to with the strippers and she's eating. That someone offers her some money to so do something weird. and the way she eats chips
0: perfect
1: yeah. sort of timing you know the facial expressions you can feel those emotions there's almost like a dreamlike quality to how it's presented I think it's that combination between the themes the writing the cinematography the music the central performance everything just sort of sits right and I think it's interesting some of the The people that are casting it, I believe Billie Eilish is in a later episode as well. So, I mean, seven episodes, half an hour each, and I've already watched two. I think I'm going to continue with it. So, yeah, that's all on Prime now. Finally, uh, we're heading over to Apple TV+. Plus for extrapolations and dawn just gonna briefly run through this
2: i saw some things that were describing this as an anthology i would personally not call it an anthology it's a drama series but it spans 30 years in the future uh, beginning in 2037 i think it goes to 2070 it is all about climate change and what will happen if nothing changes at this point uh the first episode is titled 2037, and it focuses on several threads of people's lives in that year, some of whom will go on and we will follow their threads through the next 30, 40 years. We opened in Tel Aviv, where we have COP42. We're told that there is a population of 9 billion people now. The temperature has risen by 1.55 degrees. As we know, this is something they always talk about at COP42, is the rising temperature. And they are trying to decide what upper limit they're willing to accept. Is is it going to be two degrees? Main topic of discussion is Nick Bilton, who is the CEO of a company called Alpha, which is some kind of all-encompassing tech, software, uh, medical, who knows everything. And he is the figure. He has created a desalination technique that could save countries who, who have no water which are a lot at this time because in 2037 there's a lot of uh, forest fires a lot of floods and a lot of famine so he is contemplating whether he is willing to give these countries the patents for his desalination um, software uh, hardware for free and that's a big issue whether they will get it or not and why is he wanting it in return. He is working with uh, another character whose name is never given. I think I saw online that they just called him Junior uh, played by Matthew Rees who is a developer and wants to build a casino above the Arctic (laughs) Circle. As anybody does, he is clearly a venal money-grabbing he talks about, you know, the whole world by the end of the century is going to be dead but what do I care? I'll be dead. You know, it's not my problem. Sienna Miller is playing Becca who is On the other side of the coin, Uh, she is a pregnant conservationist who's been working uh, in forests counting ravens, but she's caught in the forest and has to be evacuated, giving birth to her son uh, Ezra. She's married to Omar, who is the uh, Algerian representative at COP42. We also have the story of Marshall, who is a rabbi, and he wants to stay in Tel Aviv to Tend to his people there, he says they need him but his parents are very wealthy his father is business manager to Matthew Lee's very rich developer, his mother falls, she suffers from um, breathing problems due to the forest fires in Tel Aviv and um, she suffers a, a accident and so whether that will force him to go home to be with his mother in, in Miami where she can be best taken care of. As the events go on, we discovered that even though uh, Nick Bilton does give the patents for the desalination for free, he has an ulterior motive that he wants to mine under the Arctic Circle for the rich seams of gold and copper and uh, nickel, because the biggest selling things are to make batteries. Because of, of how everything is going in power, the batteries are the biggest things so he is still wanting to make money. As we go through the other episodes we'll follow the lives of some of these people as they go on. It's all huge names. Meryl is in episode two uh, and the lesson is if we don't stop this increasing world heat what will then happen? How will this get worse and worse and worse? The second episode uh, is much more centered about losing species and each episode opens with a graph giving us information about a particular aspect of climate change.
1: What you were saying, Dawn, and I know I asked you both to watch the second episode and then I didn't myself, and again I'm going to blame on the Covid, because I assumed it was a an anthology, but it, it, how they describe it on uh, the, the press site is interwoven stories. So, I mean, the second episode, it, does it focus on one of the characters or...?
2: it uh focuses on Sienna Miller 10 years in the in the future it's uh, 2047 and she and her son Ezra we discover that Ezra uh he has a difficult birth and um he has a condition they call summer heart which means his heart can't cope with the increasing heat she's also taken a job uh, in the first episode we hear that she's gone uh, for an interview with this job with a company called uh, Menagerie 2100 who are saving animals by taking genetics and freezing them and taking all the information but it seems they're not very ethical doing it. It's, they call it a, a Noah's Ark to one day bring all the back the species we've lost once the earth's clean and habitable again.
1: This is from uh, Scott Zedburns who was involved with Contagion and Inconvenient Truth. so you know he's quite passionate about certain issues here I found this a bit, certainly the first episode, which is all I've watched, sort of tonally all over the place. All of these different bits, which Dawn has gone over so well. I think there was four or five different sort of interconnected stories. The rabbi and his parents, that was quite touching. And you've got Kit Harrington as the entrepreneur who's controlling the water. And, you know, that saying about capitalism and what have you. Then you've got Matthew Reese is in a completely different show from everyone else and he's playing it so big <laughs> yeah. you didn't mention heather graham is there as as his yeah his romantic interest you know he's building this casino where she will then get the residency at his ultimate end in this episode as well is something completely comic and out of the blue It sort of almost undermines everything that goes on, but at the same time, it's probably my favourite part of the episode. So I don't know what that says about me. I I just felt like maybe I was being preached to a little bit. I don't know, I, I struggled to get on top of who everyone was and who was connected to who. And obviously, you know, there'll be sort of threads of each of these characters as it goes on. I felt like I got enough from that first episode that I didn't really need to progress. And I don't think it's something that I'm going to really sort of think about all that much after I, I've watched it. I mean, Dawn, did you just watch two? Did you watch any more?
2: Oh, I just watched two. It was hard going.
0: Yeah. And tonally, when you progress to the second one, Matt, you will see, yeah, that the, the tone, it does even out. And it's like they took that slice of the rebecca storyline which i would say is more traditional high drama and expand it for a full 50 minutes junior matthew reese's character yeah that that the tones with him was ridiculous i did enjoy his end but it did feel like it was like a totally different show i don't know how i feel about moving forward with with subsequent episodes
1: underwhelmed i think is the word here i think you know it is an admirable uh, thing that they are trying to do here but i can't really see who it's gonna reach you know i, I... exactly
2: what gonna say who's it for anybody who doesn't believe in climate change isn't going to watch it those of us who understand the reality of it know how bleak it is and how horrible that we have to do something so what's the point of watching it all unfold and go? Oh yeah, that's our worst nightmare, isn't awful? I don't... it awful? It feels
1: like something that they could roll out in school.
0: I don't know. Now you know that that ending—you you roll it out and <laughs> you show it to the kids at the school and Matthew, how Matthew Reese's character maybe don't
1: show it. it all. Maybe so, maybe the, they could edit it down for the kids' scenes and then ask them questions about what happens. You don't need to necessarily see him. Thank you so much, uh, Dawn and Mo, for joining me. Do you want to just go through uh, where we can find you, your your various projects and what have you, Dawn? I'll start with you.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Glen. 2 uh, The Shipyard is at the Shipyard UST and our website is tvshipyard.com.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dr Mo seventy seven. I'm part of the Geek Confidential podcast. Uh, again, we are on uh, Apple Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook as well.
1: CustardTV dot com at CustardTVPod at MustTVBytes at LucasTV Custartv, reviews at Gmail dot com, Facebook uh, and Instagram. It's the TV. Next week we have uh, the very highly anticipated uh, return of Succession. But more importantly, the highly anticipated return of Luke to the podcast. (laughs) That was very genuine there, Mo. Uh, But yeah, that's uh, us us for now. And uh, thank you for bearing with us. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs
2: like this that help people realize that they're not alone.
1: Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook.